What's cracking, big dogs? Welcome back to the HQ. Welcome back to the channel. My name is Nicholas. This is BDGE, Big Dogs Gotta Eat Fantasy Football. We're bringing you the big facts only. This is my must-own running backs for 2019 fantasy football. If you're not targeting them, if you're not drafting them, the revenue is not going to be gorgeous for your 2019 fantasy football season. We're going to break down three, four, maybe 17 running backs that you have to target. So bear with me. Tuck your shirts in, stop yelling, and enjoy the show. We're going to jump into these running backs. First, I want to talk about the live NYC Big Dogs Gotta Eat draft weekend that we did last year and we're doing again this year. If you have no interest in coming to New York City and doing a season-long draft, with myself and the boys, Snacks and Adam will be there. Everyone's going to be there, basically. Then skip forward. I will put a timestamp right here in which you can go to the first player in the uh, player analysis of this video. But last year, we did our first ever Big Dogs Gotta Eat New York City live draft weekend where we had eight subscribers and then myself and Snacks do a season-long draft. They flew out from all over the country. We're talking California. We're talking Texas. We're talking Virginia, I'm sorry if I'm left out of the place, but all over the country, they came out to New York City. We rented out an Airbnb and we basically partied the weekend away. We became friends, we became a family. You wanna have a good time? You need to party with these cats. All right, first of all, Nick, the CEO himself did it right. But these gentlemen right here, these are the real MVPs. All right, did it right, did it big. Okay, not, none of this was possible without Nick. He put on really, Great ass fucking time, great ass trip. Till next time. And I'm thinking about opening it up to a 12 teamer. I'm thinking about expanding it to a 12 teamer. So we may be looking for two more people to join the league. Obviously, you will be having to fly out to New York. We do a live draft in the Airbnb, usually on the Saturday morning. This is expensive. I will be completely transparent. This is going to cost you probably between twelve and thirteen hundred dollars for the weekend. New York City is not cheap. That money will cover the Airbnb, staying for the entire weekend. That will cover all transportation throughout the city. That will cover all food for the weekend in the Airbnb when we're out at bars, when we're out at restaurants. That will cover all booze for the weekend when we're in the Airbnb, when we're out at restaurants. Obviously, you have to be 21 and up. That will cover some other goodie bags and things that I give out to y'all. The value that you'll get from this weekend is going to be exponential to that, but I want to plug that in there so I don't get 58 emails being interested, but then when I tell you all about the money situation, you're like, ah, never mind. So it is very expensive and you'll have to pay that fee up front. So if you are serious about coming and if you are interested and you are willing to pay the price to come draft with the big dogs, hit up the email address info at bigdogsfantasy.com. You could subject it. I don't care. New York City draft weekend. That will be taking place August 23rd to the 25th. So at the end of August, also my birthday weekend. So you know, we're going fucking balls to the wall for that thing. It's a fantastic weekend. I will link the vlog video down below as well as up there, wherever it goes. But let's talk running backs now. So I figured we'd go in order of ADP. First guy up on this list is Nick Chubb of the Cleveland Browns. Now I know there's gonna be a lot of pushback immediately. Nick Chubb, oh, he doesn't catch passes. Oh, Kareem Hunt's there. We're about to break this down. Like no other YouTube channel is going to break down Mr. Chubb. We got Chubbs for Chubb. Easily the worst joke that's ever been made. 
I've seen Nick Chubb drop to the end of the second round, early third round in the majority of drafts right now. And I understand why, but it shouldn't be happening. Nick Chubb took over as the starter for the Browns week seven last year after Carlos Hyde got traded. From that point forward, Nick Chubb was easily one of the best running backs in the entire NFL during his rookie season, despite not even preparing as the starter with the first team offense. From week seven through the rest of the season, he was sixth in the NFL among running backs in rushing yards. I believe he had 848 rushing yards while forcing the single most missed tackles over that entire span of the rest of the season. 38 missed tackles forced. I ain't going to say that Peyton Barber might have had the second most over that time span, but he might have had it. That also doesn't include week four, where Nick Chubb blasted off three carries, 105 yards, taking two of those carries to the crib. Imagine how bad of a head coach you have to be in order to see that game from Nick Chubb and then continue to not use him in the backfield at a large capacity. That's for another video, though. On the season, Nick Chubb had PFF, Pro Football Focus's second highest grade among all running backs, only behind Melvin Gordon. He had the single highest elusive grade among all NFL running backs with more than 60 carries. He had the single highest yards after contact rate among all NFL running backs. Four separate runs of 40 plus yards Top 10 in breakaway runs and breakaway run percentage. So the percentage of his runs that were going for big plays. This guy is just massive. He is just a big play machine. And it's just waiting to happen on any single carry that this guy gets, right? You look at Chubb. We know he has the size. We know he has the speed. And that's exactly what we look for in an upper echelon workhorse NFL back. 5'11", 227. Runs a 4-5-2 40-yard dash. Puts him in the 90th percentile for weight-adjusted speed score. And he is not lacking in any other category. Burst is elite. Agility is above average. Bench press in terms of strength is also very, very, very elite. If Squam Barkley hadn't been in last year's draft class, Nick Chubb would be the cream of the crap, as French people or whatever fucking nationality likes to say. That's definitely not even like a French saying. I don't know where that came from, but... When we look at Nick Chubb, right, we've already laid the groundwork and we know Nick Chubb is a fucking beast of a running back. What are the concerns when it comes to Nick Chubb? Why is he not a late first round pick, early second round pick at that? Twofold. We look at Kareem Hunt coming back and we look at his lack of work in the passing game, right? The backfield is messy. We know that. But what we definitely know for sure is that Kareem Hunt will not step back on an NFL field until week 10 of this year. Misses eight games. They have the bye week. Week 10 is the earliest that he can step back on a field. And that's assuming he doesn't do anything dumb off the field, which, which will extend that suspension. Now, I'm not going to project that, but it's definitely not out of the realm of possibilities for Kareem Hunt. Pass catching is the other concern. And we'll get back into Kareem Hunt and what I think about that situation. Pass catching. Over the last eight games of last year, where Nick Chubb was a starter... He caught 20 passes on 27 targets. Obviously, if you double that, you, you pace that half a season out to a full season. You're looking at 40 receptions on 54 targets. If you're telling me that Nick Chubb is going to finish the year with 40 target or 40 receptions, I'm all in considering the amount of groundwork that he's going to get in this offense, right? And it's not like over that eight games, Duke Johnson was not involved, right? He was still very much there and still very much involved in the receiving game. So there's no reason to assume that Chubb, while Duke Johnson was already there, is not going to be just as involved as he was over those last eight games, which would pace out to 40 receptions. He's going to flirt with the 40 reception mark this year, no doubt in my mind. The other thing, the other big thing to note is just the coaching situation in general. Freddie Kitchens took over after Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley were let go after their week eight loss to Pittsburgh. 
right? He takes over in week nine. You look at this tweet I put out earlier today, or earlier last week, excuse me, over the Browns' last eight games of 2018, like I said, Nick Chubb caught 20 passes on 27 targets. Kitchens took over in week nine. Look at the snap counts for Duke Johnson out of the backfield. So as like an actual runner, Hugh Jackson had him in the backfield over 30 snaps per game from weeks one to eight. He gets fired. Freddie Kitchen takes over. His snaps from the backfield drop from over 30 to 17.2. What does that mean? It's clear that Freddie Kitchens doesn't want to use Duke Johnson as a pure running back. Does that mean he's not going to be involved or be heavily involved in this offense as a playmaker? No, that doesn't mean that at all. But I think that means that Duke is going to be used more in the slot, more as an outside receiver, more as a weapon, almost like a Tariq Cohen, which means Nick Chubb is going to be the, the huge primary back in this backfield. And that's probably going to lead to more receptions because it's automatically basically going to lead to more snaps. And, you know, once Chubb took over as a starter in week seven, even with Duke Johnson playing there, Chubb had 76% of the running back touches, overall touches in this Browns backfield. Like that is a very, very, very high number, especially considering today's NFL where almost every team uses some kind of committee. So if Chubb takes even a slight increase from that 76% up to maybe 80%, he's going to be, again, in that like elite tier of running back conversations when it comes to fantasy football. And even if you don't believe he's going to be that involved in the passing game, he gives you such a good floor with his rushing workload. I mean, over the second half of the year, you look at his carry totals in a lot of the games, 18, 18, 22, 20, 28, 20, 19. Like those are individual game lines. Like he's getting 18 carries a game basically every single game. The big part about that is like, even if you're not that involved in the passing game with those carry totals, he is a home run threat at any point because he is very fast and he has that breakaway ability. He ranked third in the NFL last year in terms of percentage of his carries to go for 40 plus yards. Only Saquon Barkley and ironically, well not ironically, but ridiculously, Isaiah Crowell ranked above him. So two players ranked above him. Nick Chubb, third highest percentage of his carries to go for 40 plus yards. So you're giving a guy who can take it to the house at any point, 18, 22, 28, like we saw, carries per game. He's going to have so many big plays this year. And, you know, that is going to single-handedly, like, make you not care about the receiving workload. But again, I really think that he's going to catch close to 40 balls this year. And with Kareem Hunt, man, you you got to stop. You got to stop thinking 10 weeks ahead because that's not how you win fantasy football leagues. So much can happen between now and then. Like, we already know Duke wants to get traded, right? He wants to go to a team where he's going to be utilized more as a runner. And what I think is just a fantastic business move from the Browns' point of view to sign Kareem Hunt to a $1 million contract. They ate that PR bullshit. People are over it. They don't care. And now they just have really good depth behind Nick Chubb. If Duke gets moved, then we're going to look at this signing as a genius move because now they have someone that could step right into Duke Johnson's shoes and perform the same role that he did in terms of getting a few carries a game and being the primary pass catcher there. But it's like by week 10, first of all, Kareem Hunt is not going to compete for the starting running back role here. By week 10, Nick Chubb is, is going to be tearing up the NFL. And you don't just step in and fuck that up. You don't just say like, oh my God, Nick Chubb is averaging 100 yards from scrimmage a game. Let's cut back his workload. He doesn't need the workload to be cut back. He's not, it's not like Alvin Kamara where last year, the beginning of the year, he was getting so many touches and he looked so good. And then once Mark Ingram came back, they cut his workload back. They did that because they use Kamara differently. He is not a workhorse elite like 
25 carry a game guy. Nick Chubb certainly is that guy. You look at the Browns as a team, right? Overall, just as an offense too, they're going to be in a lot better game scripts this year than they were last year, which obviously favors Nick Chubb and getting those carry totals. Because over the second half of the year, yes, I named a bunch of games in which he had 18, 20, 22 carries, but there were a few games admittedly that he got like nine or 13 carries. And that was when they were losing and the game script was bad. Obviously as an uh, overall improved team, the game scripts won't be anywhere near as bad when it comes to Nick Chubb. So at the end of the second round, early third round, I think Chubb is the easiest cop when it comes to drafting this year in 2019 fantasy football. I think next year, he's no doubt in my mind a consensus top 10 fantasy pick overall, if not a top five pick in that upper echelon tier of fantasy running backs. So hope you all enjoyed the big facts on Nick Chubb. If you did, make sure you hit that thumbs up button. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're new. We're breaking down players like this every single day, five days a week. If you want all of my must-own players, they will be in the Big Dogs Draft Guide, which is my online private website, basically my draft guide that preps you for your draft, for your 2019 fantasy football draft. It has all of my must-own players round by round, where you should be targeting them, where you should be picking them, all my top sleepers, my top busts, all of my rankings, top 250 big board, PPR, half PPR, standard, positional rankings broken down by tier, all updated throughout the entire summer so you don't have to worry about missing anything or you don't have to worry about it being an old-ass magazine that you pick up and is being out of date, plus a ton of other exclusive content. We have market share tools, we have consistency charts, and we got the Big Dogs Gotta Eat Bible, which is coming out later this week. It is a massive article I do every summer, breaking down position by position by position, exactly how to attack your 2019 fantasy football draft. Man, I prep for this shit for a long long time, right? Months I've been putting out content and I see all of the trends that are going on in fantasy football. So I want to translate that into an article, an easily digestible and useful, actionable article for y'all to attack all of your 2019 fantasy football drafts. So go cop that right now, bigdogsdraftguide.com, available on the phone, on the tablet, on the laptop. It is the only thing y'all need for your 2019 fantasy football prep. I promise you, you won't have to look elsewhere. Bigdogsdraftguide.com, Number two, a guy that is in the draft guide. Y'all know I have such a hard-on for Marlon Mack, man. I cannot get enough of Marlon Mack of the Indianapolis Colts. The big picture is, is, first of all, just step back. Marlon Mack, what is this guy's floor? Jordan Wilkins is not taking carries away from him. Marlon Mack's floor is what we saw last year with Naeem Hines being the primary pass catcher. Marlon Mack went for over 1,000 yards from scrimmage and had double-digit touchdowns. In 12 games, two of those games, he was coming off of multi-week injuries and barely played. They were like 30% of the snap shares. His floor is so damn high because they didn't bring anyone in to compete with him. Had they drafted a third round running back, had they went out and signed a real free agent that can compete with him, I would be off Mac. I admittedly would be off Mac. I'm not like, you guys know how much I love Mac and how much I've been hammering Mac away. And we're about to really get into the big facts here, but I'm not in love with Mac as a talent. I don't think he's an upper echelon running back, but the situation is so good for his fantasy floor. And I think we're underestimating just how high his fantasy ceiling really is. I'm serious when we keep saying all Marlon Mack has to do is stay alive. I literally had a dream about Marlon Mack last night, finishing as a top five fantasy running back. No one should ever, ever, ever get to the point where you're dreaming, one, about a running back, two, about where he's going to finish in fantasy football. But here we are. We are here talking about Marlon Mack. All Marlon Mack has ever done in his entire career, not even in the NFL, going back to college, going back to high school, is be a very, 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 very good running back. Productive, efficient. Sure, he went to USF, 
but he had offers from plenty of upper echelon D1 schools that he passed on. So don't let that be a knock on him. It wasn't like he wasn't highly recruited out of high school. He wanted to take care of his sick mother. That was it. Hashtag motherfucking character. I'm lying. I have no idea if that's why he actually chose USF over these other colleges. But Mac's first game, his very first game as a freshman in college, what did he do? He rushed for 275 yards. Absolutely dynamite as a true freshman. Then sophomore year, he goes for 1,400 total yards from scrimmage, followed by a 1,500-yard total campaign as a junior. The only time you could even argue that he struggled as a running back in his entire life was his rookie year on the Colts. They didn't have Andrew Luck. And at that time, they had literally the worst offensive line in the NFL. It was Jacoby Brissett. And he was like, there was, couldn't have been a worse situation for Marlon Mack to not prosper. And they were giving Frank Gore all these carries. In 2018, last year, the first year that that wasn't the case, he was back to being Marlon Mack and doing Marlon Mack things. He came into the year dealing with a hamstring injury, right? It was all preseason, caused him to miss practice, training camp, preseason games, causing him to miss week one, and again, ultimately making him miss weeks three through five. He appeared in 12 total games last year for the Colts. In those 12 games, like I said before, Mack racked up 1,000 yards from scrimmage and 10 total touchdowns. 10 touchdowns in 12 games. In two of those games, like I said, Mack was returning from multi-week injuries, and we already know that any player returning from multi-week injuries are seeing a significant decrease in overall snaps, overall touches, and overall production from the running back position, because I've done the study on this and I've looked into it. Those games were week two and week six. Mack played 29% and 35% of the team snaps, respectively, in the remaining 10 games in which Mack was actually acclimated into the role that they prepare him to play for. Mack was on the field for roughly 60% of the team's snaps. In games where Marlon Mack played over 40% of the team snaps, he led them. Well, he didn't lead them. Maybe Andrew Luck led them, but they were undefeated. Say it louder for the people in the fight. They were undefeated in games where Marlon Mack played on over 40% of the team snaps. That's a more real, realistic scenario going into 2019. He's going to play 60% of the snaps, most likely. While Mack's 12 game numbers, you know, were impressive, I already kind of went over them. If we filter out the two games that he only played 29, 30% of the snaps, Mack's 10 game number totals, those 10 games, 882 total yards, 10 total touchdowns, a 16 game pace of over 1,400 yards from scrimmage, and 16 total touchdowns. These numbers do not include. Indianapolis's playoff games where it mattered most in which Mack played on 88 of 121 of the Colts running back snaps. That is a 73% snap chair. He ran for 194 yards and a touchdown while out catching and out targeting Naeem Hines in those two playoff games. Once Mack returned in week six, the Colts passing rate went from 72% down to 57%. It's just freaky when I look at Marlon Mack and You know, when you really give the numbers context, how good of a fantasy running back statistically he can be in this offense. It's also freaky how similar Marlon Mack's numbers last year were to Todd Gurley's rookie season. Am I calling a Todd Gurley-esque breakout to come for Marlon Mack? No. But when it happens, am I going to take credit for it? Fuck yeah, I am. If you look at the chart, almost a T on everything, right? 13 and 12 games. Carries per game, slight edge to Gurley, but not by much. In terms of total touches per game, they're really close. They're about a touch different per game. Yards per carry, about the same. Touchdowns per game, actually in favor of Mac. So their overall usage, their overall efficiency, their overall scoring rate was nearly identical to a T. They both came into the year rehabbing from leg injuries. Another similar 
thing for both running backs. So what did Todd Gurley need in order to become the Todd Gurley that we know him as of today, or at least what we knew Todd Gurley as prior to week 14 of last year when his knee inflamed? A good offensive scheme, check for the Colts and Marlon Mack. An elite offensive line, check for the Colts and Marlon Mack. A very good, if not an elite quarterback, check for the Colts and Marlon Mack. Leading to a great offense, which has a ton of scoring opportunities. Check for Marlon Mack and the Colts. The only question mark, pass catching work. So we check off almost everything here. There is almost no more enviable position than we find Marlon Mack in when it comes to being a fantasy football running back for the 2019 season. The Colts offensive line, which had been an absolute liability two years ago, has transformed itself like Caitlin fucking Jenner in just one season to, if not the offensive line in the NFL, one of the top elite offensive lines in the NFL. They went from allowing the single most sacks in 2017 to allowing the single fewest sacks in 2018. So even if you don't think Marlon Mack is an elite talent at the running back position, the offensive line will make sure that they do the rest of it. And my man, FB God, Noah, did a deep dive breakdown in the draft guide, and it's an exclusive article in the draft guide on BigDogDraftGuide.com. Uh, breaking down running backs, fantasy running backs, and the historical trends of what an offensive line does or doesn't do for a running back, looking at top 10 running backs and what their offensive line ranks were at the end of the season, and just really breaking down the correlation between offensive lines and fantasy production at the running back position. So I can very positively say that this offensive line will take Marlon Mack the rest of the way. And let's not forget he's playing behind a top five quarterback in the NFL who was not 100% healthy for pretty much the first quarter of the season last year. They led the Colts to a top five scoring offense last year, averaging over 27 points per game. The number of goal line opportunities that Mack is going to see in 2019 is going criminally underrated. He might lead the league in goal line opportunities next year, especially with Gurley, who had been leading the league for a long time, might not get that opportunity to do so again next year. One, because maybe the knee acts up. Two, because I don't think their line is as elite with losing Roger Saffold and some other pieces. So Marlon Mack is a decent bet to lead the league in goal line rushes next year. He's basically the Devontae Adams of running backs, in my opinion, with a floor of double-digit rushing scores. So it's all gravy, right? Why the hesitation from fantasy football drafters? I get it. His name is Naeem Hines, and it's the least intimidating thing that I've heard since now. So Naeem Hines operated as the primary pass catcher in Indy's backfield last year. No question about that. But the large, large majority of his production came when Marlon Mack was not playing. Looking at the splits, in the four games that Marlon Mack did not play, that is when Naeem Hines racked up his production. Seven receptions per game compared to 2.9 when Mack was on the field. 8.5 targets when Mack was sidelined. 3.9 when Mack played. If Mack was healthy... Are we looking at Hines as a 55 to 60 target back? And it's not like Mack is a scrub in the passing. His college target share was in the 76th percentile for running backs. He can catch. He was targeted a lot in college. We have to see if they'll use him that way, right? And at that point, if Hines, you know, if Mack was on the field for the entirety of last year, then we're not looking at Hines as this elite pass catching back. And as I mentioned in their two playoff games last year, Hines didn't receive a single target in the two playoff games. Mack was out-targeting and out-receiving Naeem Hines. And, you know, we're saying, oh, if he stays on the field, Dr. Jesse Morse, who came on my channel last week, had a great episode talking about A.J. Green, Julio Jones, the Washington backfield, knee scopes, and all those things. I highly suggest you check it out after this video. In the draft guide, there's also breakdowns of injury reports. He 
does a write-up on every single player coming into the year with an injury concern, and he gives a rating from 1 to 10 on what their re-injury risk is in 2019, I'm pretty sure he labeled Marlon Mack as like a three and a half or 4. It was a hamstring strain. They just need to let that rest. That has no uh, predictive you know, measure of how he's going to get or if he's going to get injured in 2019. So he's not a big injury risk. I expect him to play the full slate of games. Maybe he'll miss one game, two games, but that is the case for basically any running back when you're projecting them for a season. Question mark about Mac is, you know, being game scripted out of the game is a legitimate concern, right? Because there was a lot of games in which if they got down, they kind of pulled Mac out of the lineup. And to that, I say like, how many games do you expect this Colts team to really be trailing in, right? Like maybe six, maybe five. Vegas has them pinned as a 10-win team, and I'm pretty sure a lot of the Sharps are going to hammer that over, and that'll eventually move up to 10.5 or 11 wins. For a team that's projected to win that number of games, like the game script for them should be really, really positive for Mac, and that's when he dominates, man, and that's when they carry. And like I said, once he came back, their passing percentage went down from 72% to 57%. I think we know what this team wants to do. I think they want to ground and pound, which is ironic because Andrew Luck is their quarterback, but they're going to be so efficient. And the reason I think they're going to be so good this year is like last year was really their first time putting it all together. Like I said, Andrew Luck was maybe not healthy for the first quarter of the season. This was their first year. This offensive line was really playing together at a high level. Continuity is a massive, massive piece. They also bring in Paris Campbell, who I think is going to take a lot of the same looks that Naeem Hines has as like the slot catcher. And they already came out. Their coach already came out, Frank Wright, and said that Paris Campbell is actually going to eat into Naeem Hines' workload, which is interesting because you don't usually hear someone just knock a player like that. But they did, man. They uh, were talking about Paris Campbell over Naeem Hines. So maybe Naeem Hines just really isn't even on the field for that many plays. Here's the overall point I'm trying to get at, guys. If you take Max rushing stats from the 12 games he played in last year, 195 carries, 908 yards, nine touchdowns. You pace them out to a full 16 games and you take out all of the receiving production he had last year, right? You pace those out and you give him zero receptions, zero targets, zero receiving yards, zero touchdowns. Mac finishes last year as the running back 14 in half PPR. If you exclude those two games, like I said before, that he only played in 30% of the snaps, he is a top 12 running back. He's a legit RB1 based off only his rushing numbers. I literally calculated zero receiving numbers in any of this paced out production. Point is, the rushing production that's going to come from this offense is going to be massive. If you told me he's going to catch 40 to 50 passes this year, I would say he's a top six fantasy running back, no question in my mind. At the end of the day, again, I think worst case scenario is that Naeem Hines, again, takes a lot of the passing work. I don't think this carry total, this carry share, market share in the backfield of carries is going anywhere outside of Marlon Mack. He is the goal line back. He's the in-between the tackles runner, the in-between the 20s guy. He is going to get a lot of work in this backfield. There's no way Jordan Wilkins or Spencer Ware is going to do anything to Marlon Mack's carry totals. Take Marlon Mack to the bank. Go Nick Chubb round two, Marlon Mack, round three or four. If he drops you there, he did for me in the SFB nine and you're fucking golden. Let's move on. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button. If you're enjoying the big facts, make sure you subscribe to the channel. If you are new, I want to talk about a new partnership that we have. Big dogs got to eat with monkey knife fight. If you listen to Matt Kelly's podcast, the Roto Underworld, which is a fantastic dynasty podcast, I highly suggest you listen to it. You've probably heard about Monkey Knife Fight. And this is a gambling slash betting website, monkeyknifefight.com. But it's all based around player props. And it's really fucking fun. I joined it like two weeks ago for the first time. 
and it is really, 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 really enjoyable. So if you're looking to get a, a twist on maybe DFS or just gambling in general, Monkey Knife Fight is specialized for player props. And uh, obviously football is not up yet, but the preseason about to kick off and I will be hitting y'all with some of my favorite player props throughout the week on Monkey Knife Fight because I think I know a lot about preseason. I know a lot about preseason snaps and which like running backs and stuff to target and how to bet in those preseason games as well as into the season, of course. So don't want to stick with me for player props and betting and win some money. Head over to monkeyknifefight.com. If you use the promo code BDGE when you sign up, you will get a 100% match bonus on your deposit. It's only up to $50, but listen, you throw 25 in, you get an extra 25 to bet with. The rollover is only 1x, so it's not like you need to bet $1,000 in order to get that money out. So head over to monkeyknifefight.com. If you're interested in other sports, I mean, they have it up right now for baseball. You can do player props and all these other, you know, golf, tennis, whatever's rolling right now. It's a lot of fun. So go join me on there, monkeyknifefight.com. Promo code BDGE. When you sign up, you will get a 100% match bonus on your first deposit. I'm super excited to partner with them. And again, I will be keeping on top of these player props. I will be helping y'all pay the mortgage throughout the season. Let's move on to a couple other uh, honorable mentions here. Now, Rashad Penny is a guy that I've been kind of hammering away all offseason because there was a lot of concerns with Chris Carson. Here's the thing. Like Rashad Penny was like a seventh, eighth round pick. He is slowly creeping up into the sixth, if not fifth round. And I've seen him start going ahead of Chris Carson. What I say with Rashad Penny is there are not many running backs in fantasy drafts in the sixth or seventh round that you get with legitimate workhorse, three down featured back skill set, workhorse size, speed, receiving ability like Rashad Penny. I think his value, as well as the floor in this offense, right? You have Mike Davis leaving, which basically leaves you with that one-two punch of Chris Carson, Rashad Penny. Chris Carson is supposedly back, right? We talked about knee scopes last week with Dr. Jesse Morris. He said he's not overly concerned with Chris Carson because it happened so far out. He's had plenty of time to heal. Chris Carson is back at training camp. He is 100% healthy. And he took the first snap with the starting offense. He's going to be difficult to dethrone. But we know going back all the way to his high school years, Chris Carson tore his ACL in uh, high school. He dealt with injuries throughout college. He's dealt with plenty of injuries throughout his NFL career so far. So despite his size, he has a long injury history. This is the single most run-heavy team in the NFL. Nothing is going to change. Schottenheimer is still there. They are going to run the ball at a very high rate. Yes, you can pretend that the narrative is that they did so much this offseason to say that Russell Wilson is going to throw the ball more, but literally what they do, they had their best wide receiver retire, and then they drafted a second round and a sixth round rookie. That does not say that they're going to start passing the ball more. The same offensive coordinator, same head coaches there, they're still going to be very heavily focused on the ground game. We know Chris Carson is not a pass catching back. He didn't do it in college. He only had 20 catches last year, despite playing on like over 500 snaps. Rashad Penny was a good pass catching back in college, back at San Diego State. We know he can do it. So I think Rashad Penny is going to eat up a lot of what Mike Davis did on the ground last year and a lot of the receiving work that Mike Davis did. So we might need to see Chris Carson go down with an injury in order to see Rashad Penny's upside. But I think his floor is still very, 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 very good. So you're looking at a guy with a high floor, but legit like top 10 fantasy running back upside. If Chris Carson goes out, Rashad Penny's an RB1, basically. A weekend plug and play, RB1, set it and for. Get it. So I don't think Chris Carson is going to run away with like, you know, 250, 300 carries this year. I think it will be a much more split, even backfield. Pete Carroll already came out and said, this is going to be a legitimate one-two punch here. They're going to use both of these guys at a large capacity, which I very much believe because they use their running backs as much as any other team in the NFL. The other thing is like Rashad Penny. I mean, can you blame him? He came out of San Diego State. He was having a good time 
just got drafted to the NFL, first round pick, enjoying his life. He came in last year out of shape, led to injuries, led to lingering injuries, which probably pushed him back in the depth chart. This year, supposedly, he looks really good. He dropped the weight, 10, 15 pounds that he had on last year. I think he's going to come out with a much more explosive build, explosive mindset too, right? Coming into the second year, you know you fucked up in your rookie year. You came in out of shape and that's why you fell behind. As a guy who was a leader all of his life, right? A running back who kind of dominated his, his competition at all levels, that probably hits you with a different mindset and you need to start thinking about things differently, how you prepare for the NFL, how you're going to train. And he did. And he came out and all reports are saying that he is looking really, really, really good, right? Mike Davis, again, gone 112 carries, 42 targets out the door. The three Seahawks backs last year, Penny, Carson, and Mike Davis combined for 522 opportunities, carries and targets. So even if Carson stays healthy, Penny is a good bet to see north of 200 touches, right? If the Seahawks go a bit more pass heavy, I think that's even a good thing for Rashad Penny because he is going to be likely the primary pass catcher there because they haven't had anyone that they could trust behind um, their initial running backs, right? The uh, ProSize and McKissick and whatever. None of them can stay healthy. So I think it's wheels up for Penny. I think he is an absolute must draft target in the sixth round. If you can get in the seventh round, even better. But his upside is ridiculous uh, combined with the floor that he gives you. Let's move over to a couple other honorable mentions. I am getting much higher on on Aaron Jones. In the beginning of the offseason, I was a little bit nervous. I think they've always said that they want to use a running back by committee. But I like the addition of Matt LaFleur in the sense that I think they're going to give the ball to their running backs in a pass-catching capacity, I should say, more than they have in the in the recent years. So even if it's still a split between either Dexter Williams or Jamal Williams, whoever wins that big bruiser role, Aaron Jones is just so damn efficient. And he is the best pass catcher that they have in that backfield. He proved it last year. He was so good in the receiving game. So if they do end up throwing the ball more to the running backs, which I expect them to do so, that's going to benefit Aaron Jones, not the other two. So if we can utilize, if they can utilize Aaron Jones in an Alvin Kamara role, where he's maybe getting 15 to 18 touches a game, but, you know, five targets, I think Aaron Jones legitimately has, you know, RB1, mid RB1, if not high end RB1 upside in fantasy football. So the injury thing is probably a little bit of a concern because he is a smaller size, but if they utilize him correctly and they don't run him into the ground, I mean, you look at Matt LaFleur coming over from Tennessee, look how heavily utilized Deion Lewis was last year. He was definitely not the primary ball carrier there, but he ended up catching over 55 passes. I think he ended the year with 59 receptions, which normally is like top five, top three among running back reception totals. This last year was just a ridiculous year for running back receptions, but 59 catches, and even when, listen, I understand that like they wanted to ride Derrick Henry at the end, but even when Derrick Henry was getting, you know, 20 plus carries a game over the last five, six weeks of the season, Deion Lewis was still really involved in the pass catching game. He was still catching about four to five balls a game. So they clearly wanted to use a pass catching running back. And I think that's going to be Aaron Jones this year. So I think in PPR leagues, Aaron Jones is a phenomenal, you know, if you miss out on Nick Chubb, you miss out on Marlon Mack, Aaron Jones is a phenomenal third, fourth round pick as a running back. So I'm, I'm getting really excited about Aaron Jones. Hopefully he could stay healthy. I also love Latavius Murray. You know, I've talked about him endlessly. Mark Ingram's role in that offense was just so underrated. He was getting like 16 to 17 touches a game, even with Kamara there. In the two seasons that Kamara has been with the Saints, Ingram has averaged 16 and a half touches per game. And he's averaged so many goal line carries per game. He's averaged almost a goal line carry per game while he's been there. The touchdown upside is real. Latavius Murray offers way more breakaway speed than a guy like Mark Ingram did. And when you're running behind an elite offensive line, like Latavius Murray will be in New Orleans, those holes will be bigger. You have a way more opportunity to break away for long touchdown runs. So he is going to get a very high workload. They could have kept Mark Ingram signed for less money than Latavius Murray did, guaranteed. 
So they clearly like Latavius Murray more than Mark Ingram. Otherwise, they could have just re-signed Mark Ingram for a discount. Instead, they went out and signed Latavius Murray for more guaranteed money. So it tells you that they're going to use Latavius Murray in this capacity, in the Ingram capacity. So in the seventh, eighth round, I absolutely love Latavius Murray. If Kamara goes down, if something happens to him, Latavius Murray is another back with RB1 upside. Like if Kamara goes down in the preseason, God forbid he tears his ACL or something, Latavius Murray is going to be picked in the top 12 running backs for fantasy. So he not only gives you a great floor, I wouldn't be surprised if he flirted with double-digit rushing touchdowns, but he also gives you RB1 ceiling. I dropped the mic if it wasn't hanging on my desk right now. That's that's what I got for you for my must-own running backs. I would love to hear what you guys have for your must-own running backs. Who are your most highly targeted running backs in 2019 fantasy football? I know we dropped a lot of knowledge in there. I would love to know your feedback, what you guys think, as well as the other things I mentioned. If you are interested in the New York City draft weekend, live weekend, come kick it with your boy. Meet some people who love fantasy football, who love to rage for the weekend in New York City. This is a great excuse to get your ass out there, get away from the wife and kids, have a boys weekend. Info at bigdogsfantasy.com is where you can reach me. Again, this is a lot of money. So if you if you are not looking to pay, this will not be for you. And that is fine. I'm not looking to get everyone involved, just the people who are really committed to it. So email me for the draft weekend. Go check out monkeyknifefight.com. It will be linked below. Promo code BDGE for a 100% deposit match. Go check out the draft guide, bigdogdraftguide.com. Go do all those things for your boy. Hit that thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. And I will see you on Wednesday. I love you. We out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.